is up, listeners. You've got George. You've got Tom. You've You've got got another another podcast podcast coming. And for the first time, you've got a guest. We've got someone from the metal world. Now, I asked for your feedback, and a few people told me, are there any newer bands that you would really want Priest fans to hear? What do you think Priest fans would enjoy? Any good recommendations? And there's one that came to my mind first. So we have today with us Trevor William Church. And dude, it is awesome having you. Thank you so yeah, much for agreeing to come chill with us. Absolutely. I'm stoked. I'm stoked to be the first guest when you told me you're like, we're thinking about having a guest and want to have you on. I was like, dude, fuck yeah. <laughs> I probably yeah, man. you were well, probably we, surprised I was so chill about it. I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I was. <laughs> just, Yo, I, I had a feeling you'd say yes, but even so, you were just so chill. Like, yeah, man, whatever you want. I got to say, when he said, yo, Trevor from Haunt is going to be on our show, I was like, yo, what? <laughs> I was fucking stoked, right man. On, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here. I got yeah. Trevor Church in my fucking home right now. Yeah, we're hanging. <laughs> it's Friday night party yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Smoking a little weed together. I might actually end up rolling a joint here because it's party time for me. That's party it, time for us, too, George. Freedom. That's it. Friday night. Friday, so brother. Trevor, all right. Well, let's. Uh, you you said you all had some questions, so well, it, I'll man. turn it over to you, man, to let you tell the listeners a little bit about Haunt in your own words. So I had a band before Haunt called Beast Maker, and I was really like trying to go for this more like Witchfinder General Black Sabbath kind of vibe, doomier vibe. I got myself a record uh, deal with rise above records and it wasn't really going very well for me with it because like, I was just really wanting just like release a lot of music. I was just writing all the time. I was like, I got a new record. I got a new record. I got a new, like every, I felt like I was saying that every three weeks, like I was just had this mountain of records. I was like, I was just really trying to hone in on, on what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, premeditated like i'm gonna write a shitload of stuff it was more like hone in try to fucking write better what you got to do just started realizing honestly i don't really listen to much doom metal and i can say that now because i'm not in the i'm really not in the doom metal scene anymore but during the time there was only a handful of bands that i really liked and most of them were the classic bands the the modern doom metal never really did anything for me it's always like the witch finder general Black Sabbath, St. Vitus, Pentagram, you know, the name of shoot. Yeah, Trouble, of course. Candle Mass. Uh, it wasn't like this huge list of like, because now there's a million fucking doom bands. And I just felt like I was going to be really trapped. And I was like, one day I was just like, I'm going to write some different shit. Like, and I hadn't really ever really written anything else. I'd only... Because Beastmaker is kind of the first time where I was like, I'm gonna be the front man. I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna write all the shit. I'm I'm fucking taking the lead. I'm taking control because all my other bands obviously failed because nobody's ever heard of them, and probably rightfully so because they never really even got to fruition because nobody was leading it. And at the time, I wasn't prepared to be a leader. But anyway, I was like. I want to write songs about things in my life, real or more real shit, like things that I'm feeling, not stories. And I wrote Luminous Eyes and the artist I was working with, the Beastmaker, Paul Abram, 
he did all my art. I, I sent, I showed it to him. I was like, check this shit out, man. Tell me what you think. He wrote me back. He's like, this is the band that's going to take you to the next level. What are you calling this? And I was like, I'm calling it haunt. And 30 minutes later, that logo that's on George's shirt arrived with the luminous eyes cover. He did the luminous eyes album cover for me. And as soon as I saw that recognizable piece for you too, like people know that art. Yeah. Everybody knows that art and everybody knows that song. Still one of my most popular songs. As soon as that happened, I started getting so much more like clout, I guess would be the only word I could think of in the heavy metal community. Like people were really starting. They're like, who's this fucking guy? Like what? Oh, he had Beastmaker too. What the fuck? Like, you know, and they're completely, you know, a lot of people have a bunch of different projects and a lot of them sound similar. Like Beastmaker and Haunt are so different that they they don't even live in the same planet. You know what I mean? They're like Saturn and fucking Mars, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's yeah. a totally different style. I was on tour with Stone Jesus in Europe, and I was getting Shadow Kingdom Records was really pushing me to do a deal with them. And I kept saying, no, I don't want another fucking record deal, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it came to it where I, I kind of just, you know, I got the better end of the bargain because he really wanted to be the guy that catapulted something, you know what I mean? Got it out there. And he's like, you need to do a full length record. So the whole time I'm in Europe, I'm like, I'm talking to John, look at the bass player that's in Beastmaker. I'm like, you're going to be, you want to join Haunt? Like, I need to do this record. I'm going to need a live band. I, I mean, I always have written all the music and stuff. So it wasn't like I needed a collaboration or anything. The EP had already came out. Haunt sound was already established. You know what I mean? It was like, boom. I didn't know it would take off at all. Like the fact that Fenris from Dark Throne, I, I actually think that Fenris was the key to my success because, but he put me on his blog, album of the week. And I made more money off of that fucking, that those three days that was like, people were posting about me. Than I had made in my entire career of Beastmaker. And I was just like, (laughs) and I'm sitting there going, like, I didn't even do anything. I was like, I didn't even have a band. I was like, I came up with this stuff for fun on a weekend, just going like, I want, I don't want to do the same thing. And here I am, all of a sudden, I'm like a band camp phenomenon overnight. And so I'm in Europe and I'm just like thinking about it. The whole time I'm there, I'm like, I don't want to do Beastmaker right now. I need to go home. I need to do this full-length record. I was like, a full-length record is going to put a staple in Haunt. It's going to be like Haunt is at an official thing now. Because like, if you just have an EP or not super official, you know, you got to have a full-length record. Kind of throwing it, like I said, like people, like Shadow Kingdom was pushing me to do a full-length. Then I started getting offers to do heavy metal festivals. And then, you know, so on. Like I, I had gotten offered a heavy metal festival in Europe and I, had, I hadn't even played a show yet. You know, I'm like, 
I'm like, fuck. So I had to put together a live band after I got, the, you know, I, I, I got the record written. I wrote the record. The first thing I needed to do was have enough material to like be like, all right, well, we could go play. You can't play four songs, you know? So it was like, I had to write the record. I had to get the songs together. And then it was like, all right, now I got to teach people how to play this shit. A lot of, lot of one man projects, they don't really get to see a lot of tour time. I feel like they're like, there's bands like ancient empire to name a more modern one. That's kind of on the same realm as I am where it's like, you know, they don't really have like a full live band that you could take it out there. You know, like there's a lot of projects like that. And I didn't want people to have that assumption about me. I was like, no, we're going to go play live. So there is a band. It's not a traditional band. Haunt has been a one-man band from fucking day one. Like, I've written everything. The vision's mine. Everything's basically, all of it has been ran by me. It sounds kind of, like, narcissistic, but it's really not. It's It all branches from all the failures of my past bands that led me to be this way. When you start having other people invested into your visions or anything... It could fall apart really easily. And then it's hard to pick up the pieces. If you're alone in doing it, there's no pieces to ever pick up. Um, and I just started kind of doing the same thing. I My vision has always been write music, try to get better, keep really honing in, do it, do it on a DIY level. And that's kind of what Haunt is all about. And then again, the topics are huge for me. It's like picking pieces of my life and putting it to paper. That was like the biggest thing was being able to, I mean, some people would say it'd be like, that's like emo, but yeah, it is in a light because like, it's an emotional piece. Every song, there's something there that has true narrative that's happened to me or somebody that I love. So that's kind of like um, what haunt is. And I named it haunt, not from a spooky aspect, but from the deaths of some of my family that I just think about every day. And it's been, and it's, some of them have been dead for 19 years and still it's like always seems to kind of come around. I'm an only child. I had three cousins. I grew up playing music with. They're all dead. Let's put it that way. My God, dude. So that's why I call, that's where the name haunt came. I didn't mean it to be spooky. Everybody thought it was going to be some horror shit because of beast maker, but realistically i wanted to give a, a reality a, like a, a really real name because i was trying to portray this like reality band kind of like i didn't want it to be a fantasy metal band i wanted it to be real so that's haunt in a nutshell
any legendary guitar player and chances are chances are good that they either do or have played a strat like yeah axel rudel plays a fucking strat and then glenn tipton played a strat yeah that's because glenn tipton he played you know he played sg pretty heavily for a long time and his early in the early days that was like yeah you know, his his shit, the fucking K.K. Downing always trips me out in early Priest. He looks like he's straight out of fucking hating Ashbury fucking Sam Floral print with a big old yeah. you know, poet collar shit. The bell-bottom pants. Dude, like, it's like a whole other look. realm. Like, that band is... <laughs> I, I can't even begin to just go, how they never really sucked. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that is tough. That was a long. You think about fucking rock and roller coming out, and then you're just like, you know, the list is is, is, is yeah. extensive. Metallica yeah. couldn't do it. Megadeth couldn't do it. Slayer couldn't do it. Fucking Deep Purple couldn't do it. Black Sabbath couldn't do it. I mean, you just start. You literally start. Just, you could just start throwing a darts at band names, and nobody has had. I feel the kind of like overall album success as Judas Priest. And then also kind of changing their, their style too. They, they seem to like just really morph into themselves in a, in a great way. But I think yeah. the, most, the most underrated dude, Ian Skull Hill, the best yeah. motherfucking bass player in the world, dude, next to my dad. Oh yeah. Next to my dad. Ian Hill is but, a, he's a fucking powerhouse, man. That dude, guy he is, has like, he has this fucking stance where he's just like, he's wide and he's just back there. Yeah. Just yeah. That's his thing. Damn dude. You but nailed he's it. Fucking going for it. So hard. Like, I'm like, he's going harder than everybody. <laughs> yeah, nobody, man. It's he's like, nobody's having as yeah. much fun as fucking Ian on stage right there. Like, I don't know, it's man. funny because if you watch the us festival, which is a great, like priest performance to me, like watching us festival is like, if you're going to watch a pre like Judas priest live, it's kind of rad. Cause it's like, it's, it's, but I, it's, I still think like Halford, he just so fucking rock star. He just, he just kind of like singing. He just walks out there. You know, it's like much a lot, but then you have Ian Hill fucking, ah, yeah, fucking going in the back, and you're just like, fuck Rob Halford, dude. Ian Hill's like he's the dude right now. He's like, he ain't fucking Yo, around. Ian Hill is like Ian Hill is the dude in the band. He and even if you watch that like old gray whistle test shit, like Dude, he was we rocking. fucking love that old gray whistle video. Oh yeah, where they it's fucking receiver. amazing. Anyway, so Trevor, I got so my first question that I have is so what did you think the first time you heard Priest? Like, what were your impressions and what memories do you associate with this band? Yeah, how old were you when you heard them? Take us back. I already know because I remember the first time I started hearing about Judas Priest was I was like 12, 13, and it was through Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> breaking the law breaking the law, breaking the law. and i was like who the oh, fuck great. is this i was like this is cool and you know at that time metal was you know I'm, i was born in 1981 so the 80s i did live through them but i was i was a, a kid and now i'm a teenager in the 90s and we all know what the music in the 90s was fucking grunge and alternative rock my 
and and rap yep. and new metal. My least favorite era of music, except for all the great underground shit that was coming out that you had to yeah, the black metal that I didn't even know existed. I mainly listened to punk back then, but anyway, so that was my introduction to Priest, and I didn't love them at first, to be honest with you. I just I was like, that song's cool. I thought it was going to be way cooler. And I wasn't like super impressed. And then I started realizing the songs I was hearing, some of the more hit songs like Living After Midnight didn't really do it for me. I was like, this band's all right. Like, you know, and then there just came a point where I just I'll never forget it, though. I'll never forget it because I was just like trying to find I was like, I want to find more old school metal bands, like old metal bands from the 70s. And of course, it, once you start looking at 70s heavy metal, Judas Priest is way up there on that list. If not up, the, they're on the top. They're on the top of the pile. You have Black Sabbath and then basically Judas Priest. Like, Hell yeah. Literally, literally, in my mind. I got Sad Wings of Destiny. And I remember putting it on and it was immediately amazed like immediately because i was thinking breaking the law living after midnight and here comes this more progressive metal that's way more technical and way more like i don't know it's just melodic it had everything it had everything that i was looking for at the time and as i as i started to dig into that record and i just was blown away at every song just seemed to get better i was like how is it getting better towards the end? Because at that point in time in my life, usually the best shit was the first two songs or three songs on the record. And then the rest was crap. And then here I am. Yeah, yeah. Here I am listening to this fucking, you know, record from 1973, I believe it came out. You guys know? 74 was Rock and Rolla. Rock and Rolla Didn't get first. But I had, yep. to, I had to travel back to Rock and Rolla. But anyway... So Sad Wings of Destiny really put Judas Priest on the map for me because at that time, finally, I thought they were the Breaking the Law band and like was only listening to stuff that was on the radio because, I mean, I was still a teenager. Napster hadn't didn't even exist yet. Napster didn't exist till I was an adult, like 18 years old. So it was, Napster doesn't even exist now. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> like people are like, Napster? What's that, man? So it was way harder to like, I didn't take as many risks on bands back then. Let's put it that way. Like when I went into a record store, I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to get this. But at that time it was really, I had only heard breaking the law living after midnight. And I didn't really, I wasn't like in love. It wasn't until I found sad wings of destiny. Did I start to realize the amazing career of Judas priest and how they were going to affect me and they affected me mainly. It wasn't Halford. Everybody's like, like he's the metal God, the greatest singer. Yes. He's fucking brilliant. But honestly, it was the guitar playing of Glenn Tipton. He got me like immediately, like his, I KK style is way different. His solo style. Yeah. We talk about that on the show is that there's like, they're sort of contrasting in their approaches. to Absolutely. Totally different styles. And Glenn just like the solo on Dreamer Deceiver is one of the greatest solos of all time. I knew you were going to say that. I I love that you said that. It's so good. It's so good. In fact, that I would put it in the top 10 guitar solos of rock history, period. That's what I, every time I hear it, 
I just am like, dude, it's it's almost better than the song. on our dreamer deceiver episode that solo is bomb and it hits me in a deep place that just that whole song is beautiful and it's it's a wonder you don't hear it more on you know even classic rock radio stations i'm kind of surprised nobody gave a fuck yeah no yet they had to they had to do fucking living after midnight which is not yeah I, if I put those songs next, you know, next to each other, it was a neck to neck race. Fuck no, dude. Breaking the law. They got a sprained ankle right out, right out of the, the fucking, you know, the starting gate compared to Dreamer Deceiver. I mean, there's no, there's no question. They're almost two different bands. Yeah. It's like, it's it, that, that has like Dreamer Deceiver has just feel, vibe, cool lyrics, and it's epically long. Mm, yeah he comes back with the fucking highest note in the world like like there is no higher note that comes out of a man (laughs) in all of existence it does not exist i've never heard it even like these you know nitro and all these bands that claim they're the highest pitch ever i still think bob hopper's shit is the hot is the best what and for one reason you go back and listen to a lot of the 80s stuff and it's layered so much. There's like when they hit those super high notes, there's like three or four different layers of shit recorded. And you know that Halford on that shit, it was just one fucking mic and one track. He didn't have five of the other tracks going on underneath that, which is amazing. And the craziest part is that live, he could do it even higher. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he can do it now, which is even more impressive. He's like 70, and he's like, they're pulling, yeah. they're I, I think it's great right now that they're pulling back, they're starting to do more legacy songs. They're doing they're doing they some played legacy. rock and roll live. Yeah, that's last crazy. I don't think they did, I don't yeah. think they had played rock and roll live ever. I mean, like, did they even play it live yeah, when they were actually they doing it? That on no, no one in this fucking call was even born the last no. time they played. Yeah, no, we weren't even alive. We were still fucking in our in our dad's ball sacks, like hanging. Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, dude! So that's okay. Great. You know, I've been interested to ask you this. So now we're talking about how Dreamer Deceiver was this gorgeous seven or eight minute epic. Yeah. When I think yeah. back on that period of Priest, like those other songs that come to mind is stuff like Sinner and oh, yeah. uh, Beyond yeah. the Realms of Death these gorgeous like seven plus opuses they don't really do anymore yeah and i just find it kind of interesting that you are into stuff like that considering the way that 
you're not really a Maiden fan because their songs are too long. So I know like say that I'm not a Maiden fan. Let's let's not get let's not get ahead of I'm ourselves. sorry, not a modern Maiden fan. I'm definitely not a fan of anything that they've put out in a really long time. And it's just because it's just like Metallica. It's just not there for me at all. It does nothing for me. It doesn't move me. It's not. And to me, it's like you either have to outdo your best shit or keep it on a really even scale. Like, don't just write the same shit again. Like tons of bands do. Green Day. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, that's a great example. Dude's been never. I mean, it's just like you could literally stay the same for a long time. And have a lot of success and write a lot of hit songs. You don't necessarily need to change. And mm-hmm. and I have a lot more respect for Billy Joe because like he didn't fall into this trendiness where heavy metal guy like Metallica, they really tried to follow a trend. And I think that's hell of like weak, to be honest. And their guitar player, Kirk Hammett, said it, he's like, the fucking guitar when they're trying to take guitar solos away from him. I'm just like. That was their stupidest move ever because the guitar solo is what part of what made me love that band. And now you're removing it because it's, good at. because it's trendy. Like bands aren't doing it anymore. Billy Joe, yeah, never I remember, made, Billy Joe like, has never given a fuck. He just writes the fucking same song, 90 different ways of Sunday and has more fun than all of those motherfuckers combined on stage guaranteed. But anyway, well, sure, that's the entire genre of funk, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I am a Maiden fan, and I, I've seen them live many times. And it's just they just their new record sucks. It's just does it's not good. I'm sorry, and I mean I feel like it's like such a they're such a great band, but I'm such a critical person. I look at things so deeply and so emotionally that. I'm just, there's no emotional attachment to it for me at all. There's nothing there. And I would say that Judas Priest has done a way better job of upholding some of their legacy and power than fucking Iron Maiden because, like, they just, there's just somewhere where Maiden just got too, like, it's just too long. I'm just like, it's not interesting enough, guys. Like, this riff is not. Like there is, it, it really takes a song like Dreamer Deceiver where really it takes you from so many different areas. That's progressive. You know, slow arpeggio guitar alone. And then it's just Halford comes in. There's nothing else going on except for the guitar. And then they start coming in real soft. The dynamic is like, it's almost not there. The drummer's playing so light. And by the end, they're fucking just ripping. They're ripping. is progressive so that is why i don't like maiden their new records at all they just, i can't lie about it i don't like to lie about things and it's just not for me anyway i do like maiden so go ahead and, and, and go back on to what we're talking about so because you're talking about epic songs yeah i think you answered what we were going for mm-hmm. the sort of 
what makes the Wong Priest songs just work for you and what doesn't make Wong songs by like Metallica or Maiden work. Well, and I guess Metallica you is a diff- Metallica has a different fucking formula that is so formulaic that to me it's dead obvious of their formula. And it usually comes after the second chorus where they start to go into this bridge solo, then the next part, then the out. They have like this never ending middle section. And then they always bring it back to the begin. They bring it back to the verse again at some point. So the actual. actual, I'm going to think about that every time I hear Metallica. The actual song is two minutes. The actual song is two minutes. And I'm mainly talking about stuff from Death Magnetic on. I don't feel that way about their early stuff, mainly because even though a lot of it is very long, I think that's what they were trying to do long songs, but they were a lot heavier back in that era and they had a lot more attitude and they weren't they weren't trying to fucking follow. I still think they're trying to follow a trend. They're trying to follow a trend of like, oh, heavy metal's cool again. And that's they're just that's. Sad but true to say, I'm not going to sugarcoat my feelings. Like I love, I mean, I have a Metallica tattoo. I can say what I want to say about their shitty work, but they have such great for their for those first four records are phenomenal to me. I like Black Album. People give Black Album shit. Yeah. So anyway, they have this weird formulaic style of epic that I don't like because it doesn't take you to new places really because a lot of it is kind of the same and not saying that the same is bad it's just you have to like that same in order to be into that and for me it's not that judas priest when you take that like a song like dreamer deceiver especially i just feel like it goes in this it goes like this just keeps getting better it's not repeating itself. It goes from point A to B to C to when D. When I first heard it, I was so fucking amazed that it kept going and it kept getting cooler. Dude, this band is the greatest band ever. Like, is there a band well, certain ever? I don't fucking know. I mean, it's like. Yeah, this is fascinating to me that you're someone who like, as far as I understand, you appreciate the old era of Priest from the 70s more so than what, like, what they're arguably best known for. Way, way, way more. I am like, it's weird because like the new wave of traditional heavy metal scene and touring Europe and going to festivals, I see a lot of people really into the painkiller era. Guilty, straight up. Well, for our age, man, that's almost like the Priest album, like more so than British Steel was for our parents. So British Steel for me is still even like, that's when I feel like it's started like, I, I don't, I think it's a great record though. I don't dislike it, but I had to, if I only had two Priest records, if you're telling me the world is going to end and I could take only two Judas Priest records, Sad Wings of Destiny and Sin After Sin would be the only two that need to come with me. Ooh, overstained class? Easily. All day. And it's because I'm more, I think I'm more of a classic rock guy than a heavy metal guy a lot of the time. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like Haunt is kind of reminiscent of that. You know, I heard Haunt, so like, I'm only sort of passingly familiar with Haunt, but I did did listen to your most recent record, though. And it's kind of like, and I'm not being colorful when I say this, I think I've been waiting my whole life for your band to show up. Because, like, your music is, like, really righteous, and it definitely evokes the spirit of, specifically, I think, the era of Priest that you're talking about. 
sort of yeah. extremely energetic and like very melodic. And I love that you're doing that with this band. No, it kind of reminds me. And yeah. I hope you understand when I say this, that this is like the highest compliment I could possibly afford you is that I imagine myself cruising around in my airbrushed panel band van blasting your music. And it's just like the coolest fucking image in my head. the era of stuff that I'm most passionate about. And it's, it's one of those things I've always felt like an outsider in, in heavy metal, especially when we go to Europe because of like, I start to look at all the band patches and the back patches and you can't read any of them. No, it's well that, but <laughs> I start to realize that the heavy metal culture is this vast sea of all kinds of sub genres of genres and, all these different things. And oh, yeah, man. And I always nasty. seem to come back. I'm like, could I hang out with this guy in the room? Because like, I'm honestly probably going to put on like, I'm going to put on Journey's Frontier. And then I'm going to put no, on I, after that. I'm going to put on Thin Lizzy, you know, um, um, Renegade. And then after that, I'm going to put on Black Sabbath, Master Reality. After that, I'm going to put on Ozzy, Diary of a Madman. And then I'll put on Dawkin or, you know, something like that. And it kind of just, there, there is this like era that I'm really into, but a lot of the bands, they're not really considered uh, like, they don't do like the falsetto screen shit. You feel me? It's like a little yeah. bit more, it's, a, you know, it's, it's the singing style is different. And I've gotten a lot of weird shit for my singing because they're like, think that I should sing more like Halford or Dickinson. And that's kind of the, the formulaic thing of new wave of traditional heavy metal. I never had heard the word new wave of traditional heavy metal when I started becoming involved in the new wave of traditional heavy metal. I was playing. Yeah, rock. See, I haven't, I haven't heard that term up until just now. So, Oh, that's the term. That's the genre right now. I that, love that. That's like a genre. Now I think that's amazing. fantastic. It's the most amazing. I feel, I feel like I dude. I, I feel like even though I'm 40, I was finally at the right place at the right time doing the right shit that I've always wanted to do. And it just, yeah. a lot of people have that same idea and passion. And there's like this emergence of bands, which is always devastating to a genre because it all, it all, it, it gets inflated and it's too hard to pick through, but there's always those first bands. And it just so happens haunt. If you put new wave of traditional heavy metal and like Google haunts is going to be one of the first bands you see on there. You know what I mean? Amongst Cauldron, Enforcer, Skullfist, Night Demon, Amulet. Isn't it like fascinating that at some point, like all of these individuals, yourself included, kind of had a similar vision in their head. And then at just the right time, you exploded onto the scene. And like you said, all of these other bands are with you and they're like, hey, man, we get it. We are on board with this and we're all trying to express this sort of similar, um, what would you call it? A similar passion for this type of music. 
So what does that feel like for you to be a part of that? It's definitely given me a lot more. It's given me a lot of inspiration to really hold a high standard of musicianship. And as like a person, as somebody that's like in the scene, I've actually been told by people in the scene, like I've been told by some people that are like, I'm so happy that you're like the way you are because our scene needs a guy like you out there. That's like fan friendly. He's not a fucking dick. I'm not wasted at the shows. I got like crazy work ethic. I have a deep passion for what I do. It's a real honor to be like, even like, it's weird because I'm like, we're not that big of a band. It's not like there was some fucking huge I mean, I, I get, this is my job. I'm lucky, but like, we're not fucking packing huge venues at all. You know what I mean? We get, we get a good, we get a good, see the way I look at it, we get a really good crowd because the whole fucking place is singing the songs. You know, I'm like, this is good. Like, you know, cause like that's, that kind of lets you know, like, all right, these people, they're, they're feeling your shit. So I don't really care about playing big shows. That shit doesn't matter. It's more about the keeping the spirit of what you're doing, keeping that essence. And again, I also come from a rock and roll legacy. My dad played in Montrose and Sammy Hagar. And it's in my fucking blood. Rock is in my blood, as Sammy Hagar fucking says. I've always had these dudes like that are kind of been around me and have been part of my life in some way. I want to be like them. You know what I mean? Like, I think Sammy Hagar is one of the fucking raddest dudes on the planet. And he's somebody to follow as far as like his way of t- like his, his the way he treats his fans is how I like I, I basically model it after him. It's like you take the time to say hello to every motherfucker there is that wants to say hi to you. Don't ever be a fucking snob. Don't ever be a smug dick. Don't ever fucking think that you're better than anybody don't have no stupid fucking complex. Your fans are your everything. Without them, you're nothing. I got a record coming out this oh, yeah. Friday. I got a, my um, unplugged record. Out by the time this podcast episode goes up. Yeah. So so I got unplugged coming out volume one. I was just one day. I was just like, I wonder what. I, I, I've been asked a question, a favor to do something for somebody. I was sitting around and I was thinking about this person and I was like trying to figure out I'm like I'm not an acoustic player I'm like I'm not I play acoustic guitar and I play I play all kinds of instruments but I just didn't really think a haunt is is like an acoustic band and I was like what would haunt sound like unplugged what if tomorrow is like I was like what if tomorrow like I couldn't turn my amp on anymore what would I do
acoustic guitar. Let's face it. It's like, this doesn't have the same vibe. It's not easily, it's not easily translatable. It's not, it's, it, it could be, you could play it on an acoustic guitar, but I'm just saying it's the, it's a, not the same experience. Yeah. Same song, uh, same speed, same everything on an electric and an acoustic. And it's going to have a completely different feel. So that's the thing when something is a well-written, genuinely good song, sometimes it can survive the translation and you know, it's good if it sounds good when it's a lot of bands never get to that. They don't don't ever get the opportunity to translate that song. So I kind of had the opportunity to translate. So yeah. Hey, so this has been a total blast. Had real fun chatting with you, man. I think we have to wrapping it. Hey, leave the listeners. What do you think is the first haunt song you want them to hear? And we'll play it out for them. I think In Our Dreams is probably like my favorite one right now off of my latest record, Beautiful Distraction. Cool. All right. And then that's what we're going to plug, man. Right. Oh, yeah, dude. All right, guys. It's been a dude. Thanks again, man. Thank you so much for doing this, Trevor. We appreciate your time. There you have it. Trevor always has a lot to say. He's such a passionate person when it comes to music. And I think it's cool that he's exploring new styles. You know, Judas Priest had their fair share of ballads, and now Haunt is starting to venture into that kind of territory with the new Unplugged record. That should be releasing today as this podcast episode goes up. You can get Haunt's music on Bandcamp, digitally or physically, or you can check out Haunt on Spotify or wherever you stream music. Highly recommend listening to Beautiful Distraction, the newest studio album, and in my opinion, Trevor's best work yet. So thanks again, Trevor, for hanging out and talking, and thanks to you, the listeners, for joining us. Stay locked in, keep defending the faith, and enjoy listening to In Our Dreams.